You're listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For other resources, more information about this sermon series, or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Good to see you all. Welcome. My name is Joel, and I'm one of the elders here, and I get the joy and privilege of getting to share God's word with you guys. Um, I do want to make one quick point of clarification as we just talked, Bill got up and talked about the residency, Uh, something that's probably a little bit confusing but will become more clear over the course of the next year or so, is we're not actually starting our pastoral residency this year. That, our hope and prayers that we'd be able to do that in 2024. What we're doing this year is our ministry residency, which is a part-time role that we're looking for and hiring for, um, for ministry leaders who may not end up becoming pastors or getting into pastoral ministry eventually. Um, We just had our first interview for that this week. We have another one in this coming week. Really excited about the candidates that are coming in for the ministry residency that we're starting in September, and so you can just continue praying for that as well. So as we get into God's Word today, I have the privilege of getting to just dig in a little bit more deeply into the topic of Pentecost and into the day of Pentecost, and so let me pray as we get into that. God, as we look at your word, we want you to come and to fill us. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would fill this place. I pray, Holy Spirit, you would fill me as I get to share from the word that, God, we might become more and more the community of your spirit, that your spirit would be not only present here, but you would be welcome and active and that through us, your spirit would be revealed to the world, that people might get to see and know Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. So Pentecost uh, is such a wonderful day. It's maybe, I know it it may sound sacrilegious to some of you guys, but I think I might enjoy Pentecost even more than Easter. (laughs) We wouldn't have Pentecost without Easter, okay? So there's that. Uh, but, but it's such a beautiful time of worship and celebration. Thank you guys for those of you who, who are able to read from different languages and just give us a little bit of a taste uh, of, of what Pentecost was like, but also a foretaste of what the kingdom of heaven is like and, and a foretaste of what we will get to experience in full in eternity with Jesus. And Pentecost Sunday is also such a great reminder of the whole gospel, And when I say the gospel, I'm talking about the whole gospel. What do we mean when we say the gospel? What's the whole story of Jesus rather than only one little sliver of it, one part of it? The gospel is, for example, the good news of the life of Jesus, that he is God come to us in the flesh, that that Jesus in his life is our example for our lives. And so like him, we should be loving people. We should be doing good works. So the gospel is definitely the story of Jesus' life, but it's also more than that. Can you guys say that with me? It's also more than that, because I'm going to have you say that a few more times with me, okay? So the gospel is the good news of the death of Jesus. How can that be good news? It's good news because he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we can be made right with God. And so the gospel is the story of Jesus' death, 
But it's more than that. But it's more than that. Say that with me. Yeah. The gospel is the good news of the resurrection of Jesus. That he defeated death and so now we can find salvation in him. We can find eternal life in him. And so the gospel is the story of Jesus' resurrection, but it's more than that. There we go. You guys are catching on now. That's, that's nice. I like that. The gospel is the good news of the reign of Jesus, that he ascended to his heavenly throne where today he is ruling over human history. And so we all must bend our knees to him, bend our lives to him as our king. And so the gospel is the story of Jesus' reign, but it's more than that. The gospel is the good news of the return of Jesus, that he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. And so today we hope in his grace, and today we hope in his one day completed justice. The gospel is the story of Jesus' return, but it's more than that. And this is why, friends, we need the whole gospel, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and his return. And you see, limiting the story to just one aspect of the story, it's, it's not enough. We need the whole gospel. And so, likewise, we celebrate God coming to us in the life of Jesus. We do that at Christmas time, right? And we celebrate and remember the atoning death of Jesus on Good Friday, And we remember his saving resurrection on Easter. And we celebrate the glory of his reign on Ascension Sunday. We did that just last week. And we anticipate the return of Jesus during Advent. And here's why Pentecost is a reminder that we need the whole gospel. Why? Because we are here today between the last two events, between the reign of Jesus, which has begun and the return of Jesus. We're after his ascension, before his return, and and we're in this place just like Jesus' first disciples were. And just like them, we might be confused about what we're supposed to do now because we know that in light of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, ascension, and return, The world is now a different place that God has begun reconciling all things to himself, that God's plans and purposes for humanity are becoming a reality. But we have to ask this question, how are they becoming reality? If Jesus isn't here, how is his kingdom supposed to come in the meantime? That's the question that should be on our minds, and that is the question that was on the minds of his disciples. And what I'm trying to get at is that Pentecost answers that question. How is Jesus' kingdom supposed to come until until he returns? Through his spirit. And we celebrate the receiving of his spirit on Pentecost. So Jesus actually promised that this was going to be the case. Back in uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, which we read last week, it said, Jesus said to his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so how would Jesus' kingdom come? He says it right here through his disciples sharing the gospel story and doing so by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
But you see, they didn't know when that would happen. They didn't know that this was all going to take place on Pentecost. And so imagine what it must have been like to be in their shoes when God's Spirit finally arrived. Remember what was going on with them that day. Uh, Jesus had ascended into heaven. They thought he was long gone. They didn't know when he would return. And for the next 10 days after Jesus' ascension, they waited and waited and waited. And Acts chapter 2 and verse 1 said that they were all together in one place. 120 Christians, as far as we know, the only Christians that existed at that time, all gathered together. We don't know where they were. We don't know if they were in someone's house. Can you imagine having 120 people in your house for 10 days just together there? They might have been in some kind of another building. We don't know. But they were there together. And what were they doing? They were waiting on God to do something. You ever waited on God to do something? They were waiting on the Holy Spirit to come. And they were doing it for 10 days. Just imagine that. What have you been doing for the past 10 days since Ascension Sunday? I'm guessing that you have not been in a room waiting with your fellow Jesus followers in a room waiting for the Spirit. You've, you've probably just been you know, carrying on with your life. And if you're a Christian, part of that is because the Holy Spirit has already come. And you know, this week as I was meditating on this story and on this fact, I kind of wondered, do we actually live as though the Spirit has come? I want you to consider that. Do you actually live as though the Spirit has come? You might be wondering, well, what would that even mean? What does it even look like to live as though the Spirit has come. What does life in the Spirit look like? Well, I think pretty clearly we see that life in the Spirit looks like responding how the crowd responded. And so that's where I want to spend our time. I'm just going to spend a few moments here with you. What did the crowd do? How did they respond when the Holy Spirit was given to them? In verse 37 and 38, you might remember... Um, I think Shirley Nita read this. Did, wasn't that sweet to have different people reading the Scripture in their own languages? I admit, though, I, I, I was a little bit distracted. I was just kind of listening to the language and having trouble reading. I don't know if any of you guys missed this as it was being read. It says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts. So they'd heard the story of the gospel of Jesus and the explanation about the Spirit coming and the crowd. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? We've got to do something now. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what does it say that they did? They repented, and they were baptized. So living in the Spirit, life in the Spirit, includes repentance. We talk about repentance a lot because we've been in Matthew's gospel now for a very long time, and there's a lot of talk about repentance in there. Repentance is a turning around of your whole life. It's a 180, okay? It's a 180. If you've been living as the Lord of your life, then it means you're turning to Jesus now 
as the Lord of your life. It also means, though, if you've been defining yourself by some identity that you've taken on, that you've put on yourself, or that you've created for yourself, it now means turning around and finding your identity wholly and totally in Him. This could look like you know, if, you, if you've got a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or, or, or your sexual desires driving you, or I was just talking to someone who's been sober now for seven years, praise God, or right before this service, if you've been controlled by these other things in your life, it means being turned around and allowing the Spirit of God to be the one controlling your life, driving your life. If you've been living for your career or your abilities as though those are the things that are going to define you, as though those are the things that you need to pour your love and your life into wholeheartedly, it means taking those things and and redeeming them, turning to Jesus and offering up those things now as acts of worship. These are all acts of repentance. It means if you've been living under the, the cloud of fear or of shame or of guilt or of pain from your past. It means if if you've been living under the cloud of your own failures, it's turning around and saying, Jesus, I'm bringing all of these things to you so that you get to do with them what you will. So life in the Spirit includes repentance. Life in the Spirit also includes baptism, though, we saw. Repentance is really something that flows into baptism. Baptism is a natural sign of repentance. These two things go hand in hand because baptism is an outward sign of something that has happened inwardly. It's a symbol of what God has transformed in your own life, and it's a way of telling everyone about that. It's it's a way of showing that you have repented, that you've changed your mind about everything, telling everyone about that, that now for you everything has been redefined as it is defined by God. So now, the way that you see people, the way that you see the world, the way, again, that you see your identity, all of these things are being shown through going through the waters of baptism. And so like water cleanses us from filth, baptism shows that we have been cleansed from sin, that we have been transformed, that we are being made new. But see, these two steps, repentance and baptism, they're really just the first two steps. Because once these people in the crowd had repented, and once they had been baptized, they went on and lived the rest of their lives, right? And they did so by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God came into this whole community, and He transformed them as a community. They became devoted to Jesus. They became devoted to his church. They became devoted to his kingdom mission. And so life in the spirit includes devotion. Now, we didn't hear this part of the passage read, but I'm going to read it. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. This, This immediately follows what we heard read in the service earlier. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is why Jesus gave us his spirit. Did you know that? This is why he gave us his spirit, so that we could actually live in his kingdom today. And so that we could actually be devoted to him. So we could actually be devoted to his church, to his people. So we could actually be devoted to his mission. Did you see how this repentance that they had done and this baptism, how, how it actually took root in their lives in these three different ways. They received the Spirit and then all of their priorities changed. They began to be devoted to Jesus. They wanted to worship him all the time. And so they, they wanted to learn more about him through the apostles' teaching. They wanted to be filled with awe, and they were filled with awe as they worshiped together in the temple regularly and in their homes as they gathered together regularly and as they lived their lives together regularly, as they prayed to Jesus regularly, they were devoted to him. Their devotion took root through the Spirit of God working in them. And they received their spirit and and their priorities changed in other ways as well. They began to be devoted to Jesus' church, to that community. And so they wanted to give of themselves. They wanted to give of their time, of their money, of their resources, of their food. They were selling their possessions for the good of the community. Amen? What a beautiful picture. They received the Spirit and their priorities changed, and so they were devoted to Jesus' mission as well. They lived their lives before the watching world. And the world saw the activity of the Holy Spirit in that community, and they wanted in on it. They saw that transformation. They wanted to be a part of it. I mean, who doesn't want to be a part of what we've just read? Doesn't it sound incredible? We get to... Amen? Does it? Anybody? Okay, great. You guys are still with me. It sounds incredible, and, and the beautiful truth is that we as a community, we get to experience that. See, we saw there that more and more people came to be a part of the kingdom of God, that it said that, uh, that the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They got to witness not only going from 120 souls on Ascension Sunday to 3,000 souls on Pentecost, just explosive growth, to then expanding and expanding and expanding beyond that to today, we've got over 3 billion Christians worldwide. Praise God. Yes, amen. This is what happens when we receive the Holy Spirit. His kingdom comes. His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And the Holy Spirit is here with us, Trinity. He is present with us. As a community of God's Spirit, we want to be one that expresses and experiences Him just like we saw in this passage, just like these early disciples did. And we want to do that until Jesus takes us home or until Jesus returns. That is what Pentecost is all about. And now I want to give you your community group instructions. 
keeping it really short today in case you're like, what? Hold on. What are we doing? <laughs> Community group instructions, really simple. Feast. Pentecost is a feast. You guys might remember as we went through Lent and we prepared for Easter, we were talking about what does it look like for us to fast. And then on Easter, we said feast. Well, Pentecost is another feast. So get together with your community, share a meal, celebrate the fact that the Spirit of God has been given to us. I'm going to pray. For those of you who uh, are parents and if you want your kids to join us for communion, you're welcome to go and get them now and and we'll pray and respond to God together. Father in heaven, we are so, so grateful that you have given us your Holy Spirit to be present with us, to dwell with us, to live within us, to make us more like you, Jesus, so that we have the kind of community like we have just read about. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making your dwelling among us and we pray that we would continue to grow in our hospitality to your presence. We pray that even now in this gathering as we worship you, as we uh, receive communion, as we celebrate you through singing together, would you, Holy Spirit, come in greater and greater degrees as we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You've been listening to audio from Trinity West Seattle. For more information about our services or to connect with us, visit our website, www.trinityws.com. Thanks for listening.